Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to a jubilant Manchester United weekly podcast series 2 episode 6 and so far this second series is proving to be a bit more positive than last season's. This week we record off the back of a superb exciting victory against Southampton, a brace for Zlatan Ibrahimovic's third and fourth goals in only a third game for United. An even better record than Ruud van Nistelrooy. And as debut for Paul Pogba as Mourinho maintains a 100% record, the first United manager since Walter Krikmer back in 1937 to win his first three matches. Pogba was something special, United, exciting, Zlatan clinical. This start bodes well for us this season, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Really exciting start. It was a great game against Southampton. I thought all the all the new signings played well. Ibrahimovic again, proving that he can be a difference maker when we need him, which is great to see. It was a great debut by Paul Pogba. I'm sure we'll talk a bit more about him in a bit, but some really, really positive signs. Not 100% there yet, but still definitely some, some rough edges to work around. But it seems like the squad has a lot of potential and we're definitely heading in the right direction. Mourinho is certainly making his mark already. Yeah, the like of Paul Pogba, I, I, I can't remember watching anyone in the United game like that. The, the sheer strength, he just holds off players and there'd be moments where you think, because we've been so so used to watching our, our set of midfielders and, and while people like Herrera and Carrick are good, watching Paul Pogba, one of the best players in the world playing midfield, is and it's just an absolute pleasure. You'll have three players surrounding him and hold off all of them, there may be a skill. His, his feet are, are incredibly quick and I don't think he's the best midfielder in the world yet, but I, I'm, so, I'm so looking forward to watching that every week. And and you have those marauding runs. He picks up, a, I think he, he dispossessed someone, uh, the, the Southampton right winger, maybe Tadic or someone, and he picks it up in the left-back position where Luke Shaw was playing and he drives straight up the pitch. And to have a box-to-box midfielder like that was just incredible to watch. Absolutely. I can't remember the last time I watched a United midfielder that can truly play that box-to-box role in the way that it should be played. Some of the runs forward that he makes are just brilliant. There was one right towards the end of the game, I think, where he picked the ball up, put it down in his chest, and within two touches had taken three Southampton players out of the game. And the, the way that he supports attacks in the, like the last minute when um, he very nearly scored, he showed on, on match the day that he ran 85 yards after starting that attack on the corner of his own penalty area. And ended up shooting after keeping up with Mkhitaryan on the edge of Southampton's box uh, about 10 seconds later. It was fantastic to watch. As you said, he's not the best midfielder in the world yet. And there are still quite a lot of areas where he needs to improve, particularly defensively. But I can't wait to see the way he develops that under us. It is quite incredible to think that he's only 23 years of age and he's putting out performances like that on a game where all eyes were on him and he didn't seem phased by the price tag at all. He's so confident on, on the ball. He seems to have absolutely no fear and I can't wait to see him play this season. 
And it's just astonishing to think that a player with one season of, of training, or one week of training even, one week of training and, and no pre-season, he was playing for France only a, only a month a month and a half ago, and he comes in and he plays 90, 95 minutes immediately. The, the sheer natural fitness that Pogba must possess is, is just incredible. And it, it wasn't an 100% performance yet. We still need to click Pogba's Latin. You can see the potential there, even Rooney seems to be accepting that he's going to have to play a, a side role. You saw him drifting out wide to, to get that assist for Zlatan, who, again, just quiet and then suddenly pounce, rise above Jose Fonte and, and head so accurately. And and then his penalty, just technically flawless. Jonathan Northcroft wrote a, a great piece in the in the Sunday Times, and we're recording this on a Sunday, about how it's not quite yeah that, but Rudy is accepting that he's going to have to play a side role, handing over that penalty to Zlatan, who um, again just just pops up. Zlatan Ibrahimovic is a game changer, and he he seems to have a, have a nous for turning up when it really matters. The the game against Southampton was it, it, we were in danger of almost turning into a, re, a repeat of some of the games we've seen in the last couple of years at Old Trafford, where we see. A decent amount of the ball, but we just never really threatened that well. And we we made a few half chances, but nothing really made it. And it wasn't it wasn't even a massive chance for for Ibrahimovic. Really, it was a great cross by Rooney, put into a good area, but he still had a lot of work to do from there. And the power that he gets in that header and the the accuracy of it was just incredible. And it's those kind of moments that he really seems to to live for. And he pops up so often and just makes the difference. And as you said, Rooney seems to have accepted more and more that he will be playing second fiddle. And I think that hopefully might help him because he may feel that some of the pressure's off him. I mean, if he keeps producing crosses like that one to Ibrahimovic every game, then we'll all be happy. And despite putting in two not great performances, he still comes away with a goal and an assist from the first two games. So it's starting to look a bit more positive. Hopefully we'll see a bit more of him uh, putting in some better performances. But it's definitely some exciting signs. Hopefully he... Pogba, Zlatan and Rooney can form a really good partnership down the middle because if all three of them are firing, then that is a really, really talented spine in the team. And in terms of Pogba, and you mentioned the price tag, and Ryan Giggs was on Friday Night Football, which was a strange mix of Sky's best shows and ended up a bit like Soccer Air. But Ryan Giggs was on and said, the biggest compliment I can pay to Paul Pogba's performance is that no one mentioned his price tag. And that sums it up better than all of us can do. What I've found incredible is uh, the performances of Marin Fellaini and Antonio Valencia, that they weren't a fluke against Bournemouth. Fellaini, for me, um, Zlatan got it in the end, and, and the vibe around the squad, uh, as we saw with Zlatan and Pogba, who seems to be getting on very well. Um, a great post-match interview on Sky, which I, I've watched it about 15 times now, and I don't even notice that I'm laughing at it. Um, but, but Fellaini... Despite Zlatan getting man of match, which is obvious because he gets two goals and uh, Sky's commentators usually focus on whoever scores the goal instead of actually who is the best player. But Fellaini, for me, man of the match, shielded the defence superbly. And yes, Southampton didn't have uh, have that many attacks and weren't that threatening, but it's still important um, to shield the defence because Daily Blind isn't that strong and, and Bay and Blind are still developing as a partnership. He stopped after we got the lead, this, this thing, but... And Mourinho was conducting a, a, a calmer second half, but Fellaini would just draw people out of their positions. And I think that's why Pogba could flourish so much, because Pogba's been given freedom. Mourinho said after the game, I just told him to go out and play. The reason that Pogba's allowed this freedom, is allowed the space and uh, to move and to pass, is, I think, because of Fellaini. He'd, 
Fellaini would run forward. He'd pass the ball and straight away, immediately charge forward, charge forward and right. And because Pogba was playing on the left in midfield, suddenly the space opens up. And, and not only for Pogba, but for Luke Shaw as well to run into. And as soon as Fellaini played the ball, he'd run up, open the space, and the ball gets switched over to Luke Shaw. And as we said last week, Fellaini's flourishing with more responsibility. And again, only committed one foul, lost possession once. It's excellent to see. And uh, I mean, if Fellaini can continue like this, a fellaini Popper partnership, although unlikely, is, is going to be interesting to watch. Yeah, I was very shocked when Fellaini started both against Leicester and against Bournemouth. Not so shocked that he started against Southampton after those two performances, but he does really seem to be coming into his own. He's making a name, or not a name for himself, but he's really performing well in, in a role that so many of us thought he could never perform in. You remember in David Moyes' season, when he often um, used Fellaini in that deeper midfield role, and Fellaini himself said afterwards that he didn't feel comfortable there, that he preferred being used as, as kind of a centre-forward, but he seems to have really adapted to that role in the last few months. I don't know if Mourinho has done something different with him or whether maybe something from last season has stuck with him. I'm, I'm not sure, but whatever it is, it's definitely working. Like you said, he's definitely up there for man in the match on Friday night, and he was definitely up there as well against Bournemouth. And he seems to have really taken to that role. He's doing really, really well. And on the ball, which I think is the biggest surprise, we all know that Fellaini, if he if he can get in the right kind of area, he can defend as long as he keeps those elbows down. Um, but even on the ball, he seems so much more confident and comfortable. He doesn't do anything flashy. Whenever expecting Fellaini to be be playing like defence splitting through balls that we expect from from one matter, but Fellaini seems to have really settled down on the ball. He just keeps things nice and simple, and I, he rarely lost the ball against uh, Bournemouth or against Southampton. And that's what we really want from Fellaini. He's there as a player to break up the play. And now with the likes of Paul Pogba around him, he really can kind of almost shun responsibility with the ball. Just keep it simple, pass it to teammates that we know are better on the ball than him and let them do the work on the ball. Um, and if Fellaini keeps playing like this defensively, shielding the back four in the way that he is, then him and Pogba could form a really, really good partnership. Even when Mkhitaryan comes in, and we'll talk about Mkhitaryan's exclusion a bit later, but if, if Fellaini's then playing with Fellaini, if Mkhitaryan comes in, will then be sandwiched between Paul Pogba and Henry Mkhitaryan. And if Juan Mata keeps his position, he is sandwiched between Pogba and Mata. And any of those three players are incredibly creative, have a sublime vision, and they also have the ability to carry out that vision and pass the ball. There's no need for Fellaini, whereas there was in the past three seasons, there's no need for Fellaini to do anything more but give the ball to Paul Pogba, but give the ball to Mkhitaryan or Juan Mata. And I think that, as well as being given more responsibility, and I genuinely think that for, because Fellaini is, is known for sticking to what he's told to do so much, I think that's really helping him. I also think that playing with higher quality players, obviously it's going to make the team better, but it's actually making Marlon Fellaini improve hugely, as well as Fellaini also giving stuff back to Pogba because he's allowing Pogba to, to sh- give away the responsibility of having to defend and and, and everything under Mourinho has been the opposite to what we expected almost. Wayne Rooney comes off and Daly Blind takes the armband. I mean, as soon as Mourinho took over, who who were the names that we thought were going to go? Daly Blind, Schweinsteiger, Fellaini, Mata. Daly Blind takes the armband. Marin Fellaini is given a key role. Juan Mata is chosen over our new £26 million signing, Henry Mkhitaryan. And Antonio Valencia is one of the best players so far of the season. You really couldn't have, couldn't have written this script at all. I, I am still so shocked that 
he's he's actually being used so much. All, all three of those players, especially David Blin, to be him to be promoted to captain when we had the likes of of Ibrahimovic, of Mata himself, who although we all thought that Mourinho might sell him, he's a very experienced player. He's got David De Gea um, there as well. And out of all of them, those players, David Blind has been chosen as the one to take the armband off Rooney. And I think for him that must be great because it's such a vote of confidence from Mourinho that almost I want to say to David Blind that he trusts him and that he is a vital part of that squad. Not only that, just the, the very fact that he kept um, Chris Smalling out of the team, who we all thought would be partnering Eric Bailly and remains to be seen whether that will happen in the future. But the very fact that Mourinho seems to favour Blind and Bailly as a partnership says a lot about how much he likes Blind. So I think it's great to see that Blind is remaining in the team because I expected him to be replaced this summer, maybe sold, but at least provide to come in the team. But they seem to have, have settled down pretty quickly. Um, there were a few dodgy moments, but Blind seems to just surprise us all the time. Whenever we think he comes up against someone that he won't be able to handle, I remember the first time he, we um, came up against Everton when Blind was playing centre-back and everyone thought Lukaku would um, physically dominate him and, and be too quick, too strong for him. And every time he comes up against someone like that, who we all think he has the attributes to dominate Blind, Blind just finds a way of dealing with it. And it's quite amazing the way that he does that as a centre-back. So I'm pleased for him. I'm glad that Mourinho has, has stuck with him. I'm interested to see what happens for the rest of the season. With and with Massa and Fellaini as well. I hope he finds his starting eleven, which I'm sure he will. And it'll be interesting to see whether Fellaini and Massa particularly stay in that first eleven, or whether Mkhitaryan does come in. We don't really know if there's a reason behind that. Um, but be interesting to see. But I'm glad that Blind, especially, has been given that responsibility. I think it can only help him. The thing with Daily Blind is last season when he came up against a, a very physical striker, Lukaku. Um, there were a few others, even someone like Wilfred Bonny for for Manchester City. He comes up against these people and he just gives them that yard of space. And, and he, they lean back into him and then suddenly he just reaches his foot round, grabs the ball back. And interestingly, I think Marino might, might keep the, the Baye Blind partnership because in Eric Baye and Chris Morley, you have two quite aggressive centre backs to, uh, although Baye is slightly different in that he's a, a more of a ball playing centre back and Smalling can't quite pass to, to save his life or possibly save his first team spot in this instance. They're both quite aggressive. They're both similar in ways, actual defending, not not playing out of the back. In Dave Blind, you've got someone completely different who arguably complements Bailly quite well. And if you put Bailly and Smalling together, you could have two clashing styles. So I, I think Mourinho is going to always keep Blind there and perhaps Bailly and Smalling are going to be the ones rotating rather than Daily Blind being dropped and sold. And I think it's just it's just showing that anything we've said before that's expected from Mourinho has gone completely wrong, to be honest. Antonio Valencia, another very good performance. A- any worries about him? I think that possibly when we come up against a, a higher quality opponent, we could see flaws of his positioning come out more. Um, a very good first two games, but I think once we play the Manchester derby and Valencia starting there, and suddenly you have someone like Kevin De Bruyne or Nelito or Sterling or Aguero, coming up against Valencia instead, instead of the, the Southampton or Bournemouth players, you could see that space that he, that huge area of space that he leaves behind him be exploited much more. I always just, I always think back to um, that awful defeat to Arsenal in the FA Cup a couple of seasons ago, when Valencia was totally out of position for, um, I believe it was Monreal's goal. And it's just stuff like that that always worries me with him because we know how good he is going forward or can be and is is being at the moment. But there is always that risk that he will go forward too much and leave all that space in behind him. We know he's not great positionally in defence. But 
the next few weeks, the next few months will be a real test for him. Seeing as that Mourinho isn't a massive lover of Darmian, it, it seems that Valencia is his first choice right back, which I'm not, which I'm not displeased about because Valencia has earned that spot. But when he comes up against people, like you said, like Sterling, like De Bruyne, like Aguero, like Nolito, that will be the big, um, the big test because if he can prove that he can defend well against those kind of players, then we definitely have a, have a good first choice right back there. I mean, the one thing that is going for Valencia is the manager because I think if anyone can create a, a fullback that can defend properly, then it is Mourinho. Hopefully, we'll, we'll see him retain that position because he is playing well and hopefully Mourinho will improve his positioning, which is a, a very key for that could do with improving before the Manchester derby. We've got a few questions on Mkhitaryan, the, the Mkhitaryan matter enigma, if you like, um, haven't we? We do. Um, the first one from at Ronaldo uh, simply says, do you think there's a reason behind Mkhitaryan not being in starting 11? I'm not sure that there is a reason such as being injured or whatever. Maybe he's not quite up to match fitness. Um, although I think he didn't have a particularly heavy summer. I did have um, a pre-season where he looked fit enough. I wonder if it is just simply that Mourinho prefers Matter at the moment. Whether that's because he's trying to show Matter that he has faith in him or he thinks that Matter is, is better suited in the, in the system that he's trying to play, I'm not sure. But I don't think that there's a reason for it like being injured or, or, or like not being fit enough. I think Mkhitaryan's t- uh, time will come. Mourinho said in an interview after the Southampton game that he can't wait for September to come so that he has other competitions so that everyone can, can get enough game time. I th- Mkhitaryan definitely will get some minutes. I hope that he does start in the Premier League because from what I've seen of him at Dortmund in pre-season and the, the, the cameo that he had against Southampton especially, he looks like a really good player and I think he could be a really good player for us on that um, right-hand side. So I do hope that he gets some minutes. I hope he does start some games. But, I mean, the, with the way that the team's playing at the moment, there isn't really any motivation to drop Mata. I, I'm not quite sure it is a, a match fitness problem because Juan Mata arguably had had much less of a pre-season. He was in the Euros with Spain, whereas Armenia weren't there with, with Mkhitaryan. Mkhitaryan did play a part in pre-season. I think it might be instead that Mourinho gave Juan Mata the chance at, at the start. He, he brought him on as a sub for, for Jesse Lingard after that injury in the community shield. And I think Mata fulfilled the role that Mourinho is looking for very well. He, he comes inside, he drifts inside comes into that right half space or the right channel depending on how modern your terminology is channel or half space and, and he drifts inside and Mkhitaryan at Dortmund did do quite a similar thing he, he drifted across the front the, not the front three but the three positions behind the striker um, and, and so I guess maybe instead of coming in for Juan Mata Mkhitaryan could come in for, for Wayne Rooney just behind the striker and whether that's whether that's against Hull City against Manchester City that's quite unlikely in the first game after the international break, or it's going to be in our first Europa League game, or our first League Cup game. But Mkhitaryan definitely needs to come into the team soon, whether that's for Rooney or Mata, because we know how effective he is, we know how good he is to watch. And he came on as a sub um, quite late on against Southampton. And if it wasn't for Pogba slightly shanking his shot wide, Mkhitaryan's hold-up play was uh, just brilliant. He, he took the ball a, a few nice turns, got him around, and the ball stays so close to his feet. And about four players he, he managed to evade the attentions of. And then he displays it wide for Pogba, who, who just missed his shot on in what could have been uh, an incredible return to Old Trafford. So I think Mkhitaryan definitely needs to come into the side soon. I'm not sure exactly what position. that He was most effective last season for um, uh, for Dortmund on the, on the right wing or right inside forward. So 
hopefully that's where we get to see him and maybe even Mata could be shifted back into his natural attacking midfield position. So we also have a question from at JBHASC who one of his questions is, are you surprised that Mata has maintained his starting role? I am kind of going from what we just say. I am surprised because we all thought that Mata would be one of those players that would be first on the list to leave. Um, So to see him start, especially after the way he was brought on and taken off again in the Community Shield, I'm definitely surprised that he's been starting. But he's earned it, to be fair. He he put in a good performance against Bournemouth and he deserved it to, to keep that spot after that game. Played quite well against Southampton as well without setting the world on fire. So I am surprised that he was given that opportunity in the first place, but he has taken it. As I said, I'd like to see Mkhitaryan come in at some point, but why upset a, a, a winning team uh, at the moment? We seem to be playing quite well. The team is, seems to have a good balance to it. So I can totally understand why Mourinho doesn't want to change that. Um, we'll see how long it lasts. We'll see if it's just kind of Mourinho's way of trying to show Matter that he does still trust him, um, kind of like a honeymoon period, I'm not sure, but we'll see what happens in the coming months, especially when the fixtures um, schedule gets tougher be interesting to see who plays in the Europa League and the Capital One Cup versus who plays in the Premier League because I suppose that will really show who is in favour at that point. The worrying thing about Mkhitaryan being on the bench now is that everyone at Dortmund talks about how sensitive a player he is and how he his personality... He, he's not it's, it's not an egotistical thing that he feels he has to be playing, he feels the best player in the world. They all just talk about how sensitive a, a, a figure he is and that um, the reason he didn't really flourish under Jurgen Klopp at Dortmund is because his personality wasn't fulfilled. But Thomas Tuchel, when Thomas Tuchel came in from Mines at Dortmund, then he managed to get the best out of Mkhitaryan. And the the only worry I have in matter continuing a Mkhitaryan not is that maybe Mkhitaryan not starting straight away is going to end up in, in his personality and, and then he won't flourish. Um, am I surprised about matter? Yes, of course. Even he, yes, definitely. Even even when he had a good performance in uh, when he came on as a sub in the Community Shield, uh, even against Bournemouth, I I still thought that the, the fact that Mourinho sold him is is still in the back of my mind. I, and yeah, I don't know how long it's going to go on for. You'd think not that long. I, I tell you what would be really interesting was if Mata picks up an injury, would he ever get back into the side this season? That that would be something interesting to see. We have a few more questions at the end of the episode as well. But quick youth roundup now. It was another disappointing result for United's under-18 side. We lost 4-0 against Derby County last week. This week, we hosted Liverpool at Moss Lane in Altrinham. Two first-half goals from Jan Dander secured a win for Liverpool. 2-1 win. Zach Durnley picked up an injury pretty early on. Looks like a hamstring injury, so hopefully he can come back soon. Um, second half, much improved. Tahith Chong's close control. He's a new signing from Feyenoord. Um, I think he's 16 or 17. His close control is, is still astonishing. And his dribbling skill is really something to behold. So if you can catch any under-18 games on a Saturday morning, watch out for Tahith Chong. Another new signing, Nishan Burkar. He's a striker from FC Zurich. He came on and made a good impact. Um, massively improved stuff. We didn't have a proper striker on the pitch before that. Indy Boonen ended up scoring uh, what what ended up being a, a consolation goal. Um, a very tight angle and, and a brilliant finish past the Liverpool goalkeeper. That made it 2-1, but we couldn't quite get the equaliser that I'd probably say we deserved. We are second bottom in the under-18 Premier League, if I remember correctly, um, after two games. But then again, we've had teams. Uh, we had one team at one stage, which included Fosu Mensa, Rashford and other players. I think Roshan Williams and Axel Twanzebe. And that team managed to be extremely average, despite having four players who are now first-team players. So 
not not telling of the state of our academy. The under twenty threes play Southampton at seven pm on Monday. That'll be on MUTV if anyone wants to watch. On to other young players. Jack, how have our lone players been doing? A debut for Guillermo Varela at Eintracht Frankfurt, was it not? It was indeed, and a pretty good one as well. He scored a penalty in the uh, penalty shootout of the DFB Pokal to beat uh, Magdeburg, I believe. So, a good start for Guillermo Varela. I'll be interested uh, to see how he does this season, actually, because he came in, had put in some really good performances, and then obviously had that one stinker against Liverpool in the Europa League. Um and after that, I don't think he, he played again after that. So I'll be interested to see how he does this season. Definitely has some talent. It's just whether he can develop in the right way. And then the, the more high profile, um, loan, I guess, uh, Adnan Yanazayev reunited with David Moyes at Sunderland. He had a, a, a decent game. So some bright sparks here and there. He made some really good runs, got to the byline quite a few times. His final ball was lacking at times and he looked a bit rusty at, um, at points during the game, but. Definitely some positive signs there. Hopefully him being reunited with, with Moyes at Sunderland will help him develop and really get his career back on track because it's really stalled in the last couple of seasons. And that, they're, they're the only um, loanies to have played today, but um, news yesterday that James Wilson has moved on loan to Derby County as well. So he'll, he's another one to look out for this season. I caught quite a fair bit of Yanazai's first start for Sunderland. He came on as a sub, I think, last week. His turn of pace looked really good, and it, and there were some reminders of of under Moyes in that, that wretched Moyes season. I mean, he's a player who who led us out of a out of a stupor really in in so many games in that Moyes nine month spell, and every time his teammates the the, the intensity of Sunderland dropped, Yanazai did as well, and and I just think that's a bit worrying because he led us out of he he was the person to drive us forward when we weren't playing well under Moyes. And now he's just sitting back and, and allowing the intensity to drop. And yeah, he, he's a young player. It's probably not his job to do that. But of of the quality that we know he is, I, and I'd hope that his attitude would be, right, let's get let's get our game going. And and his turn of place did look really good. Opening 30 minutes, I thought he was excellent. Um, some, some definite reminders of of the, the quality that he, he has. But his crossing at times is a bit off. As soon as it, it stopped being, as soon as he got out of that opening 30 minute period, he, he looked a lot worse. And Varela scoring the winning penalty, what a debut that is. He actually scored the winner for the under 21s in the Premier League last season, and that won us the title. Um, maybe a theme going on there. Um, James Wilson's loan, what do you think about that? I'm, I'm happy for him. I was worried that he wasn't going to get um, any kind of move and he'd just be stuck at United this season. I, I'm glad that we haven't sold him permanently because I feel like he hasn't been. Um, given enough of a chance at times, but I suppose we, we've had, especially with the emergence of Rashford at times where he might have got a chance last season, the possibility of him being recalled from Brighton ended up not being needed. Um, I'm glad that he's gone out on loan again. Championship, probably about the right level. It seemed like there was some possibility of him moving to kind of a, a low Premier League side, but I think the Championship is his level at the moment. If he doesn't do any better than last season, I can't see him staying at United for any longer. I'll be surprised if he doesn't get a permanent move next season unless he produces something special this year, but we'll see. I'm pleased for him though. Hopefully he gets a few more minutes than he did last season because at Brighton he was, it was an impact sub for most of the time, kind of getting half an hour here and there. So hopefully he can be a starter this season and hopefully for James Wilson, he can have a good loan spell and either stay on at United for longer or get a good move away next summer. It, it, it's definitely good to see him go out on loan. The strange thing is probably 
four or five years ago, he probably would have joined a, a low Premier League side. But now they have <laughs> they have so much money. Everyone in the Premier League has so much money that they just don't need a loan anymore. They'll just buy a foreign player who is who's at their peak instead of being willing to give to give Wilson a chance. So I I guess that's probably annoying, but. I mean, it's probably good for the fans of the low Premier League teams. Now, Saturday, uh, Saturday, 5.30, late kickoff, whole city. Um, Mike Feeden's Barmy Army. I've, I've been ringing the bell for Mike Feeden's Barmy Army quite a lot on Twitter. As, <laughs> uh, as whole city have been, have been marching throughout England, destroying teams as they come. Feeden claimed he was uh, the genius behind all of Fergie's victories. And finally, he's got a managerial job and he's, he's proving it. He's driving a hole to Premier League glory. Um, Although perhaps that end will stop him. Anyway, it, it has been quite fun to watch Hull win their first two games of the season. Leicester comparisons seem a bit premature and lazy, but it's been, it's been pretty good to watch them win two games with only 13 senior players. And we'll always be happy for anything Feeling does after he popped that balloon to, that made Fergie jump up and down <laughs> in the seat. I'm expecting a win here. Stop Hull's good runs. Zlatan's excellent form, probably settling in. Settling in. Um, and we spoke about Mkhitaryan, and I'd really like to see him given a start. Um, over both Mata and Lingard. Well, Mata has played well, but Mourinho has shown that he's giving support to Mata and rotation's fair enough. We're just getting to an international break, so so why not? It's only Hull City. It's not it's not the derby or anything. It, it won't be a statement to drop Juan Mata. It'll just be giving Mkhitaryan a chance to show us what he can do. Predictions, Jack? I have to go over win. Um, as you said, I'm really happy for Mike Feeling, really happy for Hull there. They started the season so well. Who would have thought that Hull would be one of the teams with 100% record right now? living it up at the top with the two Manchester clubs. But it's hard to see anything other than a win. Hull, obviously, they'll, they'll probably um, not shut up shot, but play quite defensively, as, as they did against Leicester, I guess, and try and hit us on the break. But I think we'll have too much quality for them in the end. It's going to be tough as well, because if playing like that on the back foot so much is such an energy-sapping way of playing football and with such limited options off the bench, I can't see them lasting a the whole 90 minutes at a massive intensity. So hopefully we'll get a good result. Um, my prediction would be 3-1. 3-1, nice. I think we're going to get another clean sheet. 3-0. I'm being very positive now. Um, probably wrongly. We'll probably end up losing now I've said 3-0. But anyway, I- I'm being positive. <laughs> We've had a fantastic start. Three wins. Um, any final questions, Jack? Just the one, again from uh, JBHAFC, who asks, how many goals do we predict that Zlatan will score this season? I I initially said that he, he'll score just over 20. He scored 20 for his last nine consecutive seasons, I think. I, I keep repeating that stat and I still haven't checked it, but I'm fairly sure it's right. <laughs> so you're going to have to trust me on that. But I think I think that's what he's done. I think he'll score just over 20. A, a really good start. And at the moment, he's going on a rate of about 40 Premier League goals. But I don't think <laughs> that'll happen. If, if we're going all competitions, maybe he could scrape just under or just over 30. But I think in the Premier League, he, he'll get just over 20. He's definitely going brilliantly now, but I, I don't know if there'll be a spell where maybe it dries up for a bit. I, I, I don't know why I'm not having confidence in arguably one of the best strikers of our generation, but um, <laughs> I, just after the last three seasons, I, I'm not that confident in United. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I think my, I think that kind of the same, really. My prediction originally was a bit less. I'm not, I wasn't sure how quickly he would cope with the Premier League. I was predicting to get kind of 15 or so in the Premier League, but he settled down so quickly. It's tough to to see him not getting twenty goals in the league, which would be great. I can't, I don't know the last time. Well, probably the last one on the title with Van Persie was the last time someone got twenty goals in the league for us. So we've really been lacking that, especially last season. So that'd be great to see him do that. All competitions, I'm not sure because 
I'm not sure how many games he'll play in other competitions. Obviously, the Europa League and the Capital One Cup, I doubt he'll play very much, especially in the Europa League. The only, I mean, unless we get quite far in that competition, I doubt he's going to play that much. So then it's really down to the FA Cup where it's tough to, to get more than kind of four or five goals in that, I guess. But hopefully he can get kind of um, around 25 goals in all the competitions, which would be a great return and just what we need, really, because we've lacked a goal scorer. Wayne Rooney certainly isn't that player anymore as he used to be. So that'd be a great return and over 20 goals in the Premier League would be brilliant. Uh, we actually have one final question. I got sent this a few days ago. I almost forgot about it. Um, from Dan Anchetta. Uh, always leaves lovely comments on our, on our podcast. So thank you, Dan. Um, he says, question for the podcast. Most hated player in the Premier League. It's Costa for me. This is after Costa arguably should have been sent off twice in two games and ended up scoring a late winner in both games, which is very typical Chelsea. Um, who's your most hated player in the Premier League? I'm, I'm, I'm just going to have a think while, while you make stuff up on the spot and, and I haven't put you on the spot here, but go on. <laughs> So you just throw me under the bus instead. Um, I, I, I'm with Dan here. Definitely Costa for me. I don't, I don't mind the fact that he squares up the players and he's aggressive. I don't, if a player wants to be like that, that's fine. I don't mind it. It's some players are like that. What I don't like about Costa is that he'll square up to someone and act all aggressive. But then if he gets the slightest little touch and then he falls on the floor crying about it and just, and acts up to referees, tries to get players sent off. And that's the part of him that I really don't like. I don't mind if he was aggressive. some, that's just the way that some strikers are, um, and and that that's fine. I hate all the play acting. I hate the, the, and like the diving that. I mean, how he stayed on the pitch against against Watford yesterday. Uh, it's just unbelievable the fact that he was still on the pitch. That was one of the most blatant dives I've ever seen. But he was my fantasy captain as well, so not actually too. <laughs> I wasn't too unhappy about it. But yeah, he's definitely my most hated player. I've not I've not disliked the players like, as much as I dislike him in a long time. I think if you'd asked me before Costa came to the Premier League and just after we'd been beaten 3-0 by Liverpool, this was in the Moy season, I'd say Daniel Sturridge without thinking about it at all. Sturridge is still up there diving, he's cocky, he's always getting injured and for some reason uh, people still stick with me. And yeah, he's really good as well, which is also quite annoying. I think since he scored the the winner for us against Wales, I've stopped hating him as much anymore. Um, I think (laughs) think I'm going to have to go with Daniel Costa and... Just in terms of jealousy, I also hate Sergio Aguero, but secretly, deep down, I'd, I'd love to have him. Those are the players you hate <laughs> most, though, don't you? Um, the players who you Yeah, that is have. true. Yeah, that's definitely true. So that's, that's just like Ozil, actually. I wish I could like Ozil, but I just can't because he plays for Arsenal. <laughs> yeah, same with De Bruyne. Uh, and, and De Bruyne and Silva, just such incredible footballers at City. Wish I, we could have them. But anyway, we've, we've got better. We've got Pogba. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway that's all we have time for in series two episode six of the manchester united weekly podcast thank you as always for listening and remember to check out our website manchesterunitedweeklypodcast.com various date clashes means you won't hear our dulcet tones of either me or jack next week after the whole game apologies for that but you can always listen to our youth season preview with tracy Jermaine if you haven't already or if you're if you're willing to to scroll down and make the effort to scroll down, go even further back. You can listen to our interview, I think this was back in May, maybe, with Oliver Kay about his book, Forever Young, the story of Adrian Dotti, football's lost genius, Oliver Kay, the Times chief football correspondent. He, that was that was really interesting, actually. We also talked about Louis van Gaal at Manchester United. You can skip over that bit. They'll both be in the description if you want to click on those links. But you can also keep up with us on Twitter. Jack, where can we find you on Sid? medium at utd t-a-i-t and you can find me on twitter at harry robinson 64 and the podcast itself at utd weekly pod pod we'll see you in a couple of weeks um can't say enjoy the rest of the olympics because sadly it's over um 
I guess if you're going back to work or school soon, enjoy your last few days of summer. Goodbye. Network. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply.